0: Welcome back to another episode of Disorderly Dogs, the podcast. I'm so delighted to have you listening. Um, Whether this is your first time listening or you've been with me for this whole journey, thank you so much for taking the time to tune in. I know that there's a lot of podcast options, so I'm happy that you have found me. And I hope that this podcast can offer you a lot of insight into not only your dog's behavior, but your dog's life and lifestyle. And I hope that this podcast can uh, positively impact you your life, and your dog's life. Um, If you guys don't already know me, I own and run a good feeling dog training based in Denver, Colorado. And most of my work is working with families in their home to address behavior problems from serious behavior problems to just puppy stuff. And I love what I do so very much. If you guys follow us on the gram at a good feeling underscore NCO, I kind of open up and share about my journey and what led me to be a dog trainer. And, you know, as you might ama- imagine, it was a dog <laughs> who led me to become a dog trainer. His name was Sunny, and I'm so grateful for him. And I'm I'm just so delighted to be here sharing this information with you guys today. So thank you so much for listening. I'm really looking forward to today's episode. I think it's gonna be really helpful. I've gotten several questions about fostering dogs, what that looks like and how to do it. So I have a special guest who joined me and we talk all about fostering dogs. So if you've been thinking about fostering a dog, uh, this is a great episode for you. Um, My husband and I have fostered several dogs over the years and it's a really rewarding experience. And, you know... That really impacts that individual dog's life so much. So uh, pet homelessness is an epidemic that we're all really trying to do our best to combat. So if you can open your home to a foster dog, it's a really brilliant way to give back and support um, these wonderful rescue people who are just busting their butts to um, give dogs the chance that they deserve. But before we dive into today's episode... If you haven't already listened to episode 37, we talk all about breed-specific legislation. Guys, it's an amazing episode, and if you listened, can you please share it with your friends? It's it's so informative, and I just want to get that information out to as many people as we possibly can. And then in episode 38, um, Jenny Efimova from Dog Minded joins me, and we talk all about consent and choice in dog training, and that episode too is such a good one. There's so much good information in there, and I think that it offers a perspective that maybe some people have not considered before. So uh, if you have a dog and you are curious about giving them more choices and getting their consent and dog training, you should definitely listen to episode 38. If you like this podcast and you are not already subscribed, please feel free to click the subscribe button on whatever platform that you listen on so you don't miss out on any future episodes. If you like this podcast and you've been listening for a while and you haven't left a review over on Apple Podcasts, I would very much appreciate that. You can just scroll down. There's a little purple pencil emoji. Just click that. It Review, and you can click five stars and you can let me know what you like about the episode. I'd also really appreciate it if you tag me over on Instagram let me know what you like about the episode. And guys, I'm so excited. Uh, I polled and everyone was pretty interested in a Facebook group to kind of continue the conversation after some of these episodes. So I'll include a link to that in the show notes that you guys can join the Disorderly Dogs Facebook group so that we can continue the conversation after the podcast episode. So thank you so much to everyone who votes in my Instagram polls and gives me feedback. This podcast is for you guys. So if there's something you want to hear about on the podcast that I haven't talked about yet, please send me a DM over there. I'm. I love suggestions, and I love covering topics that you guys actually want to hear about. Um. So, you know, I hope that you guys are well wherever you are. Sunny and Tiva and I are doing pretty great here in Colorado. Uh, we actually are kind of taking it easy, which is not our norm. Last week we did the three hikes, which was amazing. It was so great, but I really kind of felt like we all needed a little bit of rest this week. So we're kind of taking it easy. And I think it's all about striking a balance, you know, and just kind of listening to your dogs, figuratively speaking, here. Uh, Tiva's 12, you know, and while she's still keeping up, I I think that these rest days are even more important for her. And I tell you what, these rest days are really important for my youngster, Waylon, too. Um, for those of you guys who've listened to this podcast, you know about Waylon, and he can kind of be a wild animal, but I tell you what, he appreciates a rest day. So I hope that you guys are, you know, adventuring or taking an off day, whatever you need with your dogs, wherever you are. Um, thank you again so much for tuning in. I know that there's a lot of listeners outside of the US, which is so freaking cool. So, guys, shout out to you. Thank you so much for listening to this podcast. It's been so fun to connect with so many like-minded people. Okay, so like I said, in today's episode, we talk all about how to foster a dog. And my special guest is Corey Turner, and she is the co-founder of Dogly. If you guys aren't familiar with Dogly, it is an online community and it brings together dog trainers, veterinarians, nutritionists, other dog experts to um, give you a community that there's information that you can trust. I know it's really hard. There's so much information on the internet when you Google. And I think that that gets so freaking overwhelming. So huge respect to Corey for um, creating this online community. I'm so proud to be a part of it. I will include a link to my dogly community in the show notes so that you guys can check it out. And it's it's basically a membership, right? So you, know, you commit to a membership and then you get access to all of this amazing information. So Uh, Yeah, I'll include all that stuff in the show notes so that you guys can check it out, but please enjoy our conversation about how to foster a dog. I'm sure you are well aware of CBD for dogs. I give Tiva and Waylon daily CBD just to promote their overall health. And we use VetCS. VetCS is a veterinary based hemp therapy company and they make products for not only dogs, but they also make cat and horse products too. Their products are lab analyzed and they will give you unmatched customer service. We love VetCS and we are so excited to share this wonderful, product with our listeners. If you are interested in learning more about vetCS, you can head over to their website vetcs.com and you can use code DisorderlyDogs for 10% off your first purchase. All right guys, welcome back to another episode of Disorderly Dogs the Podcast. I am here with uh, entrepreneur extraordinaire Corey. And she is going to share um of her wisdom about fostering dogs today. So if you guys have been considering fostering, this episode is going to be super duper informative. Okay. So Corey, I'm going to hand it over to you. Can you just kind of tell us what fostering really is? Like what that means?
1: Yes. So first of all, hi, Rachel. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks for having me. Um, so yeah, so fostering is in my opinion, one of the best things that you can do. Um, and it's not as scary, I think, as a lot of people think it is or it gets built up to be. Um, So it's literally just opening your home to a rescue dog uh, for them to crash on your couch and kind of hang out with you for... um, Usually it's until they get adopted, but recently some rescues are doing, like night you know one night fosters or like weekend fosters or like they're making it easier now for people to um number one for people to just say like I can only do this for a week which you know is great for the dog to get out of a rescue and like hang out in your home and and um, socialize with other dogs and with people and like have that real home environment and PS get exposed, you know, on the street or like as you're walking them around. Um, and it's great for you cause you get to hang out with like a puppy or a senior and like, you just like get to have a dog for, um, a week or however long that works for your life. So yeah, it's just a really awesome thing to do.
0: Yeah, for sure. And I feel like it's so accessible, you know, like there's so many different options for it. And the effect on that dog's life can be extraordinary. Right. So, um, you know, fostering, I think can seem intimidating, but I, I just, I, my goal with this episode is for people to leave feeling like, hell yeah, I could foster a dog. I could do that. Right. And, you know, I think something that people don't always realize is that we are facing an epidemic of, um, pet homelessness. Right. And, you know, nowhere in the United States is immune. And I think that this is even further reaching than just the United States, you know, so, um, you can have a pretty huge impact and be a part of the solution by opening your home to a foster dog.
1: Totally. Yeah. And that's what, um, a lot of the rescues say is that when you foster, not only are are you saving that dog, but you're saving another dog because you're you're basically making a space open for that rescue to take in another dog, um, especially with a physical shelter. They're they're sort of, you know, there's only so many dogs that they can they can really have at one time, and so by you opening your home, you make space for them to be able to take somebody else, um, since they know that that dog the dog is with you. Um, so yeah, it's just a um, f- like fosters make the rescue world go round. (laughs) Like they're so, so important. Um, and it really isn't, I think when people hear the word foster or they, they, you know, see rescues posting about foster, they, they like assume that right when they apply, um, a dog is just going to like appear on their doorstep, um, which is not how it works. Um, so I always tell people, um, the first step is really, if you're like, Thinking about it, maybe even like the slightest bit interested in it, um, just to apply um, to be a foster is like the first step. There's a whole process. I'm sure the rescue will call you. They might do some reference checks. They might do a home check. Like it's not you apply and you get a dog like in five minutes. Um, so just apply. You'll be in their system. Whenever they're they you know need fosters, they'll reach out. It's it's like step by step. It's not a big, scary thing. Yeah, for sure. Okay, And I think that that's a
0: good segue into kind of talking about um, how to choose a rescue organization that you want to foster through. Right. And, you know, people have heard me talk about this on the podcast that like, you know, not all rescues are created equal. Um, and you know, everyone's doing their best, but I think that it's important as the foster that you are working with a rescue organization that you one align with their values. And two, you feel comfortable working with the people who run the rescue, because I think that, you know, we all are, you know, succumb to our own stressors of our own lives and stuff like that. So it's important that you feel comfortable communicating with the rescue organization. And, you know, if that doesn't go great and you don't love the communications, there's plenty of other rescue organizations. So I think as a baseline making sure that you feel comfortable communicating with the people who run the rescue is super important.
1: Yeah, for sure. And that's what like for us, like even for like dogly stuff, like we make sure um, that the rescues that we always work with are, are in line with kind of, um, you know, as you said, like our values and, and kind of like what, you know, we have like a bit of a checklist of what we, what we look for. Um, but definitely if you're fostering for a rescue, um, you know, you can ask them questions. Like you can ask them like what, you know, what, how long will I be, you know, what's a typical like rescue or a foster time period. Um, do you provide food and treats and do want, like, will I have to pay for anything. Um, like there's, there's sort of, When, for example, when I started fostering, so I was super nervous about it and I had thought about it and wanted to do it for maybe even like a couple years. Um, but it was just like, there was that hump of like, Oh, like, am I gonna, first, am I gonna like get this dog? And do I, well, like, will I then like all of a sudden forget how to like have a dog and like what I'm supposed to be doing and will like totally turn my world upside down. Um, You know, will I be, like, left on my own? Will I have to pay for all this stuff? Like, what, what? What am I doing? (laughs) Um, And I was so lucky to have found a great rescue who then we actually ended up um, foster failing through uh, with our dog, Bosley, now, um, who, like, they are beyond supportive um, of all of their fosters because they know that, um, like they they're so lucky to have foster parents willing to open their homes um so they take such good care of us they you get like a a packet when you're when you your, your foster dog arrives um they pay for all the food all the treats all the toys like your your foster will come with like a little like travel bag of like goodies um you know, like they're always there to support you with questions and and cover all the medical, ex- like there's just nothing for for us to do except like love this dog. Um, so so for me, like just getting to know that rescue, if you find a rescue or if you find a couple of rescues that, that you think could be a good fit for you, uh, just ask them questions or, or ask other people who have fostered through them. Um, to make sure it's a good, a good fit for, for you and your lifestyle.
0: Yeah. And that's a really good point that you brought up about all the supplies. You know, in my experience branch across the board, the rescue is taking all of the financial responsibility for the dog. The dog is just living with you, right? So it really doesn't have to be at any financial cost to you as the foster person, right? Which I think is amazing. It really,
1: it depends. Like it, that's, I would say 90% of the time that's the case um before you do any like before you take your dog to the your foster dog to the vet or to a trainer like you always have to run any extra cost by the rescue and they like say okay and you like work together and figure it out um but yeah most of the time the rescues like want to make it as easy as possible for their foster homes so um so yeah so they cover everything
0: Yeah. Okay. And then I think something else that's important in um, making sure that you're comfortable working with the rescue is understanding their adoption process.
1: Yeah.
0: Right. And, you know, I know that sometimes this can kind of hit on some people's egos, especially the potential adopters. But in my opinion, a responsible rescue is doing a large amount of vetting of potential adopters before they would give that that potential adopter a dog. And I think that that's extremely important. Right. Like adoption sh- procedures should not be lax. Yep. right. They should be pretty, they should be pretty strict. So, you know, as a foster, that's something that I definitely want to know that my rescue organization is doing so that the dog is not just going to someone and then it's going to be returned. Yep. Right. Exactly. And, you know, returns happen and that that's part of it. But I think that a responsible rescue is doing a lot of work to prevent that from being the case.
1: Yeah, totally. I mean, that's like their whole, their whole, not their whole point in doing all of this, but like the, the. Biggest thing that they want to ensure is that their dogs are going to good, happy, safe, loving homes and that they stay there Um, and that there's no issue, you know, that there's if the dog, you know, maybe isn't good with other dogs, like they want to make sure they're going to a single dog household if they're not good with kids, you know, like there are things to know um not every dog is just gonna be okay in every situation um so yeah so there's a lot there should be a lot of vetting that goes on um and involving the foster home in that I think is really important because like we're the ones or the foster parents are the ones that that know the dog like the you know if the rescue doesn't necessarily like know everything like, you're the one that's going to be day in and day out, like, living with that dog, seeing them interact with other dogs and, and in different situations. So you're the one that ultimately knows them actually better than the rescue. Um, so the rescue should actually be, you know, turning to you to say, like, you know, do you think, like, we just got, like, this and this and this application and, like, do you think any of these or all of these would be a good fit for this dog? Or, like, why or why not? And, like, working through it together. Um, like, we've actually done um, home visits, uh, with a couple of our dogs, a couple of our foster dogs. Um, and, you know, the, re- and the rescue said, like, this is what we look, you know, we look for, um, you know, that they're not going to be using like electric fences. We look for, you know, if they, you know, if they have like a, a gated or that they, if they, if like the dog's going to be off leash in the backyard, that they have like a gated fence all the way around. Like there are, things that you look for um, and I actually think it's pretty cool to get to learn like what a good home looks like to a fo- to a rescue um, and to be trusted that they like you're their eyes um, I think is is actually a really cool um responsibility to have and that they trust like their people to do that um, so yeah vetting is super important and the fosters are a really big part of that
0: Yeah. And I think, you know, really a well-run rescue, a foster is just an integral part of that. Yeah. Right. They're just a trusted ally in all of that. And, you know, I think on the flip side of that too, guys, something that I think you need to prepare yourself as a foster is that ultimately the rescue is going to get to make certain calls about the dog. And you just need to be okay with that. And that's why it's super important that you trust the rescue that you're working with. Because sometimes, you know, rescues have to make calls about dogs for whatever reason. And ultimately, it is their call. So while you are the trusted ally and caretaker for this dog, you know, ultimately, the rescue has the say. So that's just a dynamic that, like, you need to get comfortable with.
1: Totally. Yeah. You're just, like, there to be as supportive as possible and love, love their dogs. Um, but yeah, it's not, I think that is, that's actually a really good point that like, it's not your dog. Like <laughs> <laughs> you're, yeah. you're, you know, you're like the cool aunt or uncle for yes. like, a month or a like, couple of weeks, like whatever it is. Like, it's not, you know, you're just like hanging out with this dog. Um, I always see it as um, like trying to, have that dog be the best dog that he or she can be in preparation for their final home. Um, so whether that's like helping them with training, like, you know, crate training, or like we try to teach all of our fosters to not get up on the couch because like, I don't know, like where their forever home might not want dogs on the couch. Um, but ba- our dog Bosley is like climbing the walls, but that's like, that's, he's our dog. So that's our decision. Um, but, yeah, so it, it's, it's really looking at it like, yes, you know, you're, you're going to love this dog, um, but it's not your dog. And it's, it's almost a cool thing to feel like you're a part of, like, molding this dog to be, to turn into, like, his or her best self.
0: Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Okay. And I think that this is, you know, a good transition into some of the stuff that I think is important for foster homes to be doing and instilling in dogs and like obviously time frame and stuff like that depends. So my go-to is really, if the dog is with you for less than a week, I would really just be, I'd have cookies and I'd be marking and rewarding any and all behavior that they offer that you like but outside of that i feel like in a week just love them and get to know them but fosters that are staying with you longer like you were saying like i think it's important to consider the potential adopter and some of those things so like crate training i think is one of those things like especially if you're fostering puppies ooh that's a really easy thing to teach and reinforce that's going to
1: serve them well in their life outside of you totally yeah yeah crate training is like my number one um li- like day one um i guess we've i'm I'm trying to think we've mostly been fostering puppies um so crate training like the crate is my best friend um you know really for for everything even just for like you know playing with because we have we have another we have a cat and a dog um and puppies are crazy and you know things get a little wild so even just having the crate as a place for the puppy to feel like that's his or her place that's where she eats that's like it's this golden awesome place where it's only their spot in the house um and for bosley and our cat like they know that like that's where the puppy like it's a it's just a good um It's a, like, crates should be everybody's best friend, in my opinion. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Uh, crate training to me is, like, the number one, um, if you're a foster parent, and some rescues provide, um, they, like, have kind of, like, crates, like, rotating around to different, to the different foster homes, Um, so some will provide a crate for you. Um, We just happen to have a crate, Um, but I would definitely have a crate or ask the rescue to give you a crate, especially if you are um, fostering puppies.
0: Yeah. And I think that that's a good point on just like the whole management aspect of like integrating a new dog, yeah. you know, like if you, so I think that we should backtrack just a little bit and, and I want to just kind of address um, maybe some questions to ask yourself if you're considering fostering. Yep. Right. So if you're considering fostering and you have a resident dog, does that dog actually like other dogs?
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah. Right. And you know, if your dog doesn't love all dogs, I don't think that that's like a complete no, but I think you need to realize that like, you're probably facing like a crate and rotate scenario where like the dogs aren't loose together. You're using a lot of management expense crates Baby gates, and then you know, and I think too on the cat front, like it's super important that if you have a cat and you're considering fostering, you have a lot of management in place, so there's very little room for error as yep. you get to
1: know this new dog in your home. Totally, yeah, I think that's that's probably the most important. I don't know, there's so many important things to think about when you're fostering, but one of them is definitely I say this all, not even just about fostering, but like know your dog, and uh, like. If like, for example, b- my dog Bosley, like he, I know if I bring a dog home, so he's black with like a little white on his nose, whatever. Um, if I bring a dog home that looks like him or is like his same size, it's, he's going to freak out. He, it's not going to be a good situation for him. And of course, like the rescue that we <laughs> adopted him through, like all of their dogs look like him. So I'm just <laughs> So, so, so yeah. So, but I know, like, I know him, and I know that that's not going to be a good fit. So I know for him, um, puppies are great, um, especially now. He's about two and a half, and he's like almost through his um, sort of puppydom of of you know being super energetic. And so he's he's we just actually had a we did a super short term foster. We just had her for a night, and it was a great first test for him. Um, to just say like, okay, here's a puppy, like, where are we? Um, And so I think it's so, so important to know your dog and know um, if, if, like, if they're just not good at all with, with any type of dog, um, then I would say that is for a more um, uh, mature foster. Um, Like one of our friends, she also threw the same rescue that we work with Um, she's fostered like almost 80 plus dogs or something like that. She's amazing. Um, but she, like, she has like three crates, she crate rotates, like she knows how to do it. She has the space to do it. Like she's figured it out. Um, you know, it's not, not everybody has that much room. Not everybody knows how to do that. Like a lot goes into it. So if you're up for it, amazing. Um, but it's definitely, um, uh like difficult and and things to know so so i would definitely first like know what your um know your dog know your lifestyle know like what you can really take on um because the worst is like saying to a rescue like yes i'll take this foster dog and then not thinking about your own dog um and then having it be a really bad situation and then the rescue is stuck in this emergency situation of like trying to figure out um where to put this dog um So yeah, definitely, definitely know your dog.
0: Yeah. And I think that that speaks to you need to be mentally and physically prepared for bringing a foster dog in. Yeah. Right. So that it doesn't have to be the scenario where you're like, oh shit. And then, you know, the rescue is scrambling. Right. So you got to prepare yourself for that, you know, And, and a lot of this is short term. So, um, you know, years and years ago we fostered, A male dog who initially got along fairly well with our dogs and then, you know, it started to go south and it started to go downhill and then we ended up having to do a lot of crating and rotating and we did it and we stepped up for this dog because that's what was required of us, but it's also extremely emotionally draining on everyone in the house. Yeah. So, you know. You just got it. You got to prepare yourself for that. And if your dog isn't super great with dogs and you're not comfortable with crating and rotating, there's so many other ways that you can help the rescue community oh. without actually fostering.
1: Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Even just like sharing dogs is real. you know, any way to get dogs out there um, is amazing. Um, fostering, I think like and I don't want it to sound like it, you know. It's just like you have to totally change your lifestyle to foster, um, because you you don't. You just have to know what you can take on. Um, and even if uh, you know, even if you have a foster and you know a couple weeks in, things are like maybe not so great. Um, it's just so important to to communicate with the rescue. Um, you know, like if you notice something or or you know whatever, things start sort of like changing over time, um, just to have that like open communication with them, like early on to say like, mm, I don't know about this, like, what do you think? And then they'll help you through it. So it's not that like, you know, 11th hour, like this dog needs to go kind of kind of situation, um, but that they were aware of it, maybe they helped to bring in a trainer or like whatever it is. Um, it's just so important to communicate. Um, and so that the rescue can can help you.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And you know, I um I volunteer with a lot of rescues in my area, which is amazing because they are saints, seriously, busting mm-hmm. their asses to save these dogs. Yep. And I think that, you know, like you're saying, keeping that open line of communication. Like I work directly with the rescue um, do over dogs a second chance at life. Guys, I'll include a link to that in the show notes so that you can check them out if you're in Colorado, but You know, I work with a lot of their fosters and I'm in close contact with a lot of their fosters so that, again, we're not finding ourselves in these oh shit situations where, like, okay, the dog has to go. Okay. So the first time something is like, you're like unsure, reach out because they want to know about it now. Because the more we get ahead of things, the easier everyone's life can be. And, you know, a lot of these dogs are getting pulled out of shelters and they're coming on transport. And really the only thing we know about them is their ID number. Yep. You know, so a lot of it is just getting to know a dog and who they are and their preferences and stuff like that. So I think that it's even more important to be using a lot of management initially as you get to know some of these dogs. For sure. You know, puppies are a little bit easier in the fact that like they're young and, you know, young puppies aren't usually like overly aggressive or anything like that. But if you're fostering adult dogs, I think it's important to have a lot of management strategies in place to prevent any potential conflict.
1: Yeah,
0: for sure. So. I think some best practices in that would be um, separate feeding for sure, right? Separate feeding that can definitely diffuse a lot of tensions. And then um, when you're not home, the dog should absolutely be separated, right? So, um, you know, and I think that that leads us back to crate training, you know? And some dogs panic in a crate. So I don't think you always have to use a crate, but using doors, bedrooms, baby gates, X-pens, all of that's really important initially as you're getting to know the dog and yeah. most rescues have like formal
1: policies on this yeah, for sure yeah you know I, I can mean? tell you the amount like literally when we've been crate training it felt like we had a baby because it was like you know you would go and like put the dog you know put the puppy in in the crate and like close the door have the curtain over the thing and and do everything you you and like and bosley was like with us too we were you know all of us were like this dog like we this dog needs to go to sleep So we'd all be, like, as quiet as possible and just, like, you know, they cry for a little bit and then you wait and, you know, you don't want to, you want them to, like, work it through and and all of that. Um, We, most of the the puppies that we fostered, the first, like, couple nights of crate training was that, like, you know, crying, 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 and then they work it through and whatever. Um, I remember we had one dog who was just, like, anti-crate, like, could not cope. and you just figure it out, but it, it's, it's getting to know them. It's like having a roommate, you know, you just like every day is um, you learn something new about them um, and it's really cool to see them grow and, and to like work it through with them. Um, so yeah, there's so many, and it totally depends on the dog and, and your situation and all that. There's so many things to do um, or that you could do, you know, to, to help them. Um, but it's really just this, like, it's just a fun fostering is a fun thing to do. Um, but it's, it definitely is, is work, you know, it's not just like, uh, like roses and puppies and rainbows. Like it's, yeah. <laughs> there's, yeah. st- you're getting another dog for a short amount of time. Um, so it's all the things. Yeah, for sure. And
0: uh, you know, um, shout out foster people. Right. Yep. Shout out to you guys because you are saving lives and we so much appreciate you. And and I that's why I really wanted to do this episode is just to make it more accessible to people, yep. right? Okay, so um what are some other stuff training stuff you do with fosters that are with you for longer than like a week?
1: So, okay, so crate is the most important um I think there's a lot, there's just a lot of stuff that you can do. And again, it totally depends on the dog and and where they're at and and all of that. Uh, But it's really just things to like prepare them for life, you know, so like we've had, we had one foster who I live in Manhattan in a high rise. She had never been on an elevator before and totally pancaked, um, like Mm -hmm. flat, you know, belly on the floor, totally flat on the floor um, when, when I first tried to bring her in to the elevator. And so it's, it's like, it's, you know, obviously treating and getting her comfortable and, and, you know, doing it on her terms and all of that kind of stuff. Um, but it's just like getting them ready for life. So if you, whatever you notice that they're, that, that they're, you know, either reacting to or uncomfortable with or haven't done before, or you know, like some dogs have never done stairs. Um, Like, (laughs) there are and they don't totally get it. And so you're treating all the way. And so there are, it just depends on on every dog, but it's, it's helping them feel comfortable in this new life that they find themselves in, Um, I think is is maybe like a general way of answering that.
0: Yeah, no. And I think that that's such a good point because I think ultimately what it boils down to, it's not really about menial trained tasks. Yeah, You know what I'm saying? Like sit down manners, all of that stuff comes. It's super easy to do. What's really important. I think is teaching the dog that people are trustworthy and that life isn't scary, you know? And and like you said, you just got to meet the dog where they are because some dogs come out of, you know, wherever they came from and they're totally fine. Right. They're like, okay, cool. Let's do life. You know, and that dog, I think you could probably start doing more basic manner stuff, but some of these dogs are coming out and they are traumatized. Yeah. And really what you need to do is just be an advocate for them and step up and teach them that like people are trustworthy Yeah. and life yeah. isn't this big, scary thing. And, um, it's pretty incredible what trust and consistency can do for a terrified shelter pup.
1: Totally. Yeah. And it, you know, it's not that all of them, I think sometimes there's this like conception that like shelter dogs are, are like traumatized and like, you know, uh, whatever, that they all have all this baggage and and so much to work through, which is sure. Like, and just like people, like some of us have stuff, you know, (laughs) like not everybody's perfect. Um, But, and not every, you know, not just because they come from a rescue doesn't mean that they like, you have all this stuff to work through with them. Like, you know, most dogs are great. We, are, some have some things that you need to work on, but like, so do I, like, you know, like we all okay. do. <laughs> um. So yeah, so it's not this like big, you know, that they're going to be like quivering in the corner and like scared of life, but there are some things that are, are new to them and you just like, you're now their person to like kind of help them explore and figure it out. Um, definitely the like, basic manners is really important. Again, just to like prep them for, to be their best dog for their final stop. Um, you know, everybody loves when you do like a meet and greet to like have a nicely like sat behaved dog. Um, I think it's, it's especially important too, with like the shy dogs, just to, just to help them like come out of their shell and be a little bit more comfortable because when you are again, doing a meet and greet, Um, everybody wants that like perfect, um, cuddly, you know, insta best friend kind of dog, uh, in like the first five seconds of meeting that dog. Um, and with the shy dogs, it's just a little bit harder to see them sometimes, um, because they're, they're nervous or they, you know, whatever they're going through. Um, so any way to help a dog be themselves and be comfortable, um is gonna set them up for success um in their meet and greet or or you know just like even as you're like meeting people on the street like every opportunity or every every person you see is an opportunity for that dog to get adopted or for them to tell somebody else about that dog um so yeah anything that you can do to just help that dog um be themselves and set them up for success is amazing
0: yeah and I think you know on the introductions to potential adopters, it's a pretty amazing thing because you know the dog, and you get to kind of set the the most real version of the dog that you know and love.
1: Sorry, you just right. Put it <laughs>
0: yeah, so um, using the the um, meet and greet as an opportunity to set the dog up to, for those people to see the dog in the best light. You know what I mean? So if your foster is the most comfortable at your home, that's probably the best place for them to meet. You know, if your dog does great in the world and has really good social skills, that's probably another great place for an intro, you know? So I think that as the foster, you're really in a special position to, um, let the dog be seen in their best, their best light, literally and figuratively speaking. Yeah. Right. Like that's something you get to do as the foster, which is pretty awesome.
1: Yeah. And it's actually, um, it's cool too, because you, you get to know the potential adopters as well. And they look to you to say like, you know, even if they're, if let's say the dog goes on a trial adoption, sometimes rescues do, you know, trial adoptions that, which uh, I love, I think they're great. Such a smart idea. Um, they can last, it totally depends on the dog. Let's say they last like a week or something um like during that time not necessarily that you know the the potential adopter is going to be reaching out to you all the time but you are the person you know their dog better than they do at that point um so they could be coming to you with questions about like you know this just happened like what would you have done in that situation or like does she like chicken or beet, like, you know, even just like small things like that. Like what treats is she like, like all, what was she eating? Like that kind of stuff. Um, so it's really cool that you are, you are this dog's advocate in, in every way. Um, and yeah, you just get to, you get to see them, you see them from, you know, coming from the rescue and then going to their final home. Um, and to, to have been a part of it and to see them grow and happy and love and see there's honestly there's not I'm like getting chills even just like thinking about it but there is nothing cooler better more amazing than seeing this dog that you've got to spend time with over whatever time period and then seeing people just like light up and, and have this dog in their arms, or in their home, or, or whatever in their life, and just, like, see that perfect connection come together, and that, like, this dog was meant for these people is the coolest thing ever, um, so, yeah, so, so that, I think, is, that feeling, I think, is, is why I love fostering, and I think why there are people who have fostered, like, hundreds of dogs, <laughs> um, because it's just, to see people light up or a dog, um, that, you know, didn't have a family before is amazing.
0: Yeah. And I think, you know, something that I think is, it's real and you have to prep yourself for this emotion, right? Because ultimately the dog is going to leave you. You know what I mean? But I feel like that, that emotional, distress really the cushion of knowing that this dog is going to bring so much love and light to someone else's life is the best and you know I have had the great privilege of staying in direct contact with some of my um fosters and oh my god the age of social media seeing these (laughs) dogs just live their best life is absolutely my favorite yep you know so it's like um it's, it's emotional. It's stressful to see a dog go, but you have to know that, like, you served your role in that dog's life. And now they get to go and live their best life, you know? So, yeah. um, okay, sorry, guys. That's old lady Teve. She's crying at me. She needs to go out. Hold on. Let me. <laughs> okay.
1: Sorry about that. Right, yeah. Fine. 12 years old. You got to pee a lot. I mean, you know, girls got to <laughs> do her thing. <laughs> uh, um, yeah.
0: You know, like, staying in contact with, you know, the the adopters is amazing. So, you know, I think that that really kind of helps soften some of the emotional blows seeing a dog
1: go. Totally, yeah. And I had um, – I can't remember who said this to me, but uh, – I so when – uh, the first foster that we had, I had this, like, total panic attack, and I was like, is this – this was before we had Bosley. And the rescue knew that we were looking for a dog, and um, – you know it was sort of like we were we were looking and fostering and seeing you know like is this going to are any of these fosters going to be like our are they our dog and so i'll never forget the first foster that we had i she was this super cute puppy of course um and i had this total panic attack and i was like is this my dog she got she she got an application in the family was great like everything was perfect um and then as the whole process was going, I was just, like, sobbing, like, "Is am I supposed to keep her? Like, is this, is this the one? Um, and thankfully, I didn't, and I, you know, then we got to, I think we fostered, I don't know, six or seven more before we foster failed with Bosley. Um, but somebody uh, once told me, just make a rule with yourself that you won't adopt your first foster, and, like, it's so much easier. And I think it's, that's, like, such good advice because you do, I think when you, your, your first foster, you feel like I love her so much. How could I, or him, you know, I love him so much. Like, how could I ever let this dog go when I, I get that you love them and I've loved all of our fosters, but you have to let them go and they're meant for, for, you know, other, another family. Um, And there was actually another one that we almost foster, like literally almost foster failed. Um, And and I tell her, her family actually lives in, in our town. And I tell them all that, like, they know that I'm like obsessed with their dog. Um, And we have play dates all the time with, with Harlow and Bosley. And, and it's amazing. Like she was meant for that family. um, But we loved her and we, we totally thought like, She was probably the hardest one that we've ever, we've ever let go. Um, But they were meant for each other. Like, totally, like, without a doubt, she was meant to be their dog. Um, And it's, I'm so, it's so, as you said, like, social media, it's awesome. I see, they post photos and, like, tag Dogly and, and, like, just to see her on walks and happy and smiling and then to see Bosley and Harlow playing together, like, it's the coolest thing ever. Um, And it's that, like you know, sort of all constant gratification that you get of just like knowing that this dog was in your home. Um, you had some little part of her happiness, um, or, you know, and, and helping, um, her find her, her life. And, um, and now she's just like happy and healthy and, and living a good life. Yeah. And, you know, I
0: feel like we got to dig deep to recognize that like, we're not the final stop for some of these dogs and that's okay. Like, that's the point you know, and it's, we all get attached, but I think that, um, not adopting your first foster is a really good rule of thumb, yeah. <laughs> right? Because once you get that first one out of the way, I feel like it gets easier because you get to, um, reap the rewards of seeing the dog thrive in their forever home. For sure.
1: Yeah. And the, their, their family is forever grateful to you, to the rescue to like literally anybody along the way you know even like the photographer who takes their photo like every the trainer like everybody plays a role in um helping a dog find their home so like it's you know yes fosters are super important um but it's a whole team effort and it's just it's so cool to have a group of people, not just for one, but just like in general, like fosters, even you know, there's all the, obviously all these foster people that I've never met before, but just to know, like, to know that there's this like community of people who are opening their homes um, to rescue dogs, and that there's this community of people that have either started rescues or are running rescues and are so passionate about, about saving dogs and and doing all that they can um it's just it's the coolest thing to be a part of this group um and um so yeah so so fostering and and it's just it it's an amazing feeling
0: yeah it really is Okay, guys. So you kind of heard me talk um, in the intro and I was talking about Corey, but um, Corey and her mom um, have created this amazing online community. So Corey, I want you just to kind of tell us about it because um, foster parents, rescue organizations, dog owners, dog parents, like this, this community is directly created for you guys.
1: Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So we, um, so my mom and I started um, Dogly together actually a couple years ago. Um, but we just like within the past like month or so launched this, this thing that we're calling the advocate communities where we, we were seeing that. And even for like, we honestly, we built this for us because like, I was having anxiety about what to feed my dog, how to help him through train, you know, different behavior things. Um, and I was seeing a lot of other people like we all have questions and we all are wondering, am I doing this right? Am I making the right choice? Is like, is this the right thing for my dog? And, um, you know, seeing people go to Facebook or Google or whatever. And there's just so much information out there and um, so many people giving advice and having opinions. And um, it's just a lot. And it makes you almost more um, stressed about whatever choice or decision you're making for your dog. So we just wanted to make it easier. We wanted to make it easier to, to access, um, good information. So whether it's from positive trainers or nutritionists or holistic vets, like we wanted to make it really easy. If you have a question, now you can come on dogly, ask any of the advocates across any, you know, whatever, whatever you're going through, um, that you can, ask them questions, you can work with them one on one. Um, It's, you know, all done online. So it's not you're not setting up like, an hour, you know, meeting or a call or anything. It's just like constant ongoing support of like, you know, like, for example, I I cook for or I make my dogs food. Um, So I can't tell you the amount of times I wish I could have like message a nutritionist to say like, uh, so I'm putting this in my dog's dish. Like, is this, can he have this? Or like, is this balanced? Or like yesterday he was having a meltdown. He wasn't like German Shepherd. So he was having like a, a bit of a training um, crisis. So I wish I could have messaged somebody to say, like he just had, he just started like, you know was really reactive with a German Shepherd. Like, what do I do? Here's a video, whatever. Um, so So yeah, we just wanted to make it really easy to access positive trainers, nutritionists, holistic vets, um, and have it be affordable. You know, not everybody, there was some, I was, when I was researching this, like 80 or 90%, some crazy amount of, of, of dogs have never seen a trainer before. Um, and a lot of that has to do with price. A lot of it has to do with just like geography that you can't, um, you know, find or reach a trainer, um, that maybe aligns with, with your values. So, um, so yeah, so we wanted to make it affordable, accessible, um, and all online and, um, create this great little community.
0: Dude, it's amazing. And guys, everyone in this community is a trusted professional in their specific, um, niche. So you, there's no, like, you don't have to second guess what you're asking, right? Because you're going to get a real answer from someone who's doing it. And I know that you guys did a lot of vetting for the people that you included in your advocate community, guys. So they really went out of their way to make sure that there's a group of trusted professionals that you can access and talk to really quickly. And um, I am really grateful to be a part of the community. I think it's so cool. And you know, for the foster for the foster people and the rescue people, um, I think that this is an insanely valuable resource that you can get access to trusted professionals at a really inexpensive price point. So I think that it's a worthy investment for um, for rescues so that their fosters have access to all of these people.
1: For sure, yeah. And that was, um, you know, our heart is rescue. Like when we we have four rescue dogs when we started Dogly a couple of years. Like we're everything is centered around rescue. Um, and so that is something as this grows, you know, we're in the earliest days of this community, but as this grows, we definitely, um, we want to, we want to help rescues in any way that we can. Um, but I think this could be a really great tool to, to free up some of their time so that they can focus on, on, you know, saving more dogs and, and less on fielding, you know, questions, whether it's from fosters or recent adopters, or even, you know, we've talked to some rescues where they'll, they'll get questions, you know, they'll never hear from somebody. And then 10 years later, they'll get a question from an adopter, um, about something training related or, or something like that. Um, so if we can help take that away from them, um, and, and give them more of their time back, um, to focus on the dogs, um, I, I think, in one way, I think that would be really helpful. I think there's a ton of other ways that we can um, help rescue this, this community and, and and also support fosters. Um, because I know sometimes when, when you get a foster dog, you're just like, okay, now what? <laughs> um, so to be able to have a community, and as you said, it is, I can't tell you how much time we took um, in uh, vetting everybody That's that's a part of the community, whether, you know, Everybody's only a positive trainer. Um, that's just what we believe in. Um, nutritionists are all certified. Um, holistic vets are all obviously all certified. Um, so it was really important to us to um, do the work up front so that we know that when you come on, any advocate that you work with, um, like I would trust with my own dogs, and you're gonna have a good experience with. Um, So, yeah, so the community is um, I'm really happy with everybody that's that's on. I want I'm like subscribing to everybody, (laughs) Um, but I think it'll be a great resource for for rescues, fosters for all of us.
0: Yeah, no guys. And it's amazing. So I'll definitely include links to that in the show notes so that you guys can find it. And then I'm actually getting ready to, um, put up some stuff in my community. Um, I'm going to put a foster dog checklist and then, you know, frequently asked questions by fosters so that you guys can access that. And guys, that's accessible at the lowest price point. So for $5 a month. You can have access to all of that, right? So um, rescue organizations. I think that that may be a worthy investment, so that you can pass that along to your foster your foster people too.
1: Sure, and even like your even your like direct you know one to one. I think you're. I think it's like forty nine a month or something uh-huh. like that, which is insane. Like to be able to message you all month and on, on an ongoing. You know, whenever something happens for 49 like that's just like it's an incredible um incredible value so that I think is one thing but I really hope that we could reach people who maybe couldn't afford um training before or and I also think training it it feels like a bigger like it's just to have somebody to support you through when something happens or when you know when things come up as like they do. I, th- I know everybody thinks they have the perfect dog, but like, even just, you know, it happens some, to all have, of us. Yeah. Like there's, you know, your starts barking or maybe start, you know, whatever you're dealing with housebreak, like anything. There's so many things that people um, can learn from you. So, um, yeah, I think you're just providing like an insane amount of value. Um, so I really hope people take advantage of it.
0: Yeah, for sure. Okay. And guys, you know, there's lots of ways you can get access to just like the stuff I've, I've written in my, my community, and then you can get one-to-one access with me and the other advocates in the community too. So there's price points and options for literally everything, Yep. (laughs) right? So it's insanely accessible and they built such a great platform and it's super easy to use. So, um, yeah, I love you guys and I love what you're doing. So thank (laughs) you so much for taking the time to talk with me today.
1: Oh, thank you for having me. I love everything, everything that you're doing and everything you stand for. I think it's so important to, to amplify that message and the positivity and, and that conversation, um, and make training, like not a scary training, fostering, like whatever it is, like, it's not a scary thing and it's not this like big undertaking or just for specific dogs or for specific people, um. So, yeah, thank you. Do you want to be able to trust your dog off leash? Do you want to
0: improve your relationship with your dog? A dog with a trustworthy recall gets way more opportunities to adventure and be a dog. Let's be honest, having a dog that doesn't come when called really kind of sucks. So, do you want to make your life easier? Do you want to learn how to train a trustworthy recall? you have 10 minutes a day to devote to training for just 30 days check out my online course trustworthy recalls i give you step-by-step instructions for teaching a trustworthy recall with just 10 minutes a day for 30 days you can learn more about trustworthy recalls at agfdogtraining.com Thanks for tuning in. I hope you enjoyed the show. If you'd like to learn more about us, please check us out on Instagram at a good feeling underscore NCO. You can also find us on Facebook at A feeling Dog Training, as well as our website, aGFdogtraining.com